It's time for a Shway Media Podcast. Welcome to the Brews and the Boys podcast. We are your friendly neighborhood podcast. We drink cold beverages and we talk about America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Every week we'll be giving you an in-depth look into everything the Cowboys are doing and what we can expect from the Cowboys. My name is Michael Sizemore. I've been following and writing about the Cowboys for many years and currently contribute to Blogging the Boys. You may follow me on Twitter at Mr. Sizemore and follow the podcast at Brews and the Boys. With me today is my partner in crime. He's the Walter Matthau to my Jack Lippin, Mr. Tom Ryle. Yay! Yes, and you can find him on Twitter as well at Tom Ryle BTB, and you can find his work at Blogging the Boys as well. So today we're going to just kind of talk over the 53-man roster that happened over the weekend. The Cowboys um, get down to their do their roster cuts and get down to the 53. We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about um, just the reaction to that, and then we're going to preview the Cowboys' first game against the Carolina Panthers. Guys, we've made it. Football is finally here. The Cowboys will take on the Carolina Panthers this Sunday, 325, at Bank of America Stadium out in Charlotte, North Carolina. So first, Tom, got to ask you, how you doing? And then I guess we'll just go right into it, because we got things to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing pretty well. I was going to ask you, did we really do this, one of these just a week ago? Because yeah. there's been a lot of things go under that bridge. So so much has changed within you know the last week or so. So we got so many things that we got to talk about here. And uh, you know, just the first thing I got I got to ask you, what were your initial you know 53 man roster reactions? Um, and of course, uh, we got to stop start at the top there. What was your take? Uh, with the Cowboys cutting kicker Dan Bailey, the seven to- the seven uh, year pro for the Cowboys, he was a Pro Bowler a couple of years ago. Um, was pretty much automatic for most of his career. What what say you about the about Dan Bailey getting uh, released by the Cowboys? That was a shocker, I would say the least. I, I've got a feeling we don't know something about this situation, especially since Dan Bailey's gone up and tried out with the New York Jets, and they. Uh, decided not to sign him until they tried out the kicker Agayo, yes. the one that was a total disaster for Tampa Bay. And yeah. all of a sudden, I'm going like, this is kind of like the whole Des Bryant thing. Everyone was like, oh, he's going to get snatched up right off the street, and it ain't happening. It's almost like you wonder, is there something that we aren't aware of? Like, has that groin been a lingering problem for him? Is there a concern about whether he's really back from that? Yeah, uh, you know, the thing about Dan Bailey is in that situation is is the fact that, like you alluded to, Tom, it's not just the groin, even though the groin was probably a bigger issue. Um, and most people believe that that groin issue beca- came off of him kicking off, um, you know, because that's where you put the most stress, the most stress on, on a kicker is when he's having to do those kickoffs. But you know Bailey also if if they don't for if you know Cowboys fans don't forget that Bailey woke up um I think it was either, it was last season or the year before that with just back pain um you yeah. know just like waking up with some back issues so you know there's a lot of stress these players put on their bodies and Dan Bailey is you know the is just the same as everybody else in that situation he puts a lot of stress on himself to be perfect um but you want to talk about Dan Bailey's injury history and it kind of it, it kind of gets a little dicey there because 
him coming like him coming back to the Cowboys last season, I, I wonder if, and, and I'll let you talk about it, Tom, if he might have come back too early. Maybe he felt stressed that he needed to come back early, or maybe the Cowboys stressed that he needed to come back early. Either way, it looks like when he came back, we, we well, we know this. When he came back last year after his groin injury, he wasn't the same Dan Bailey that we were accustomed to. Yes, uh, I think that's exactly where my question is. It just seems like he may have rushed himself or the team rushed him, and I don't know which. If he came back and said, I'm good to go, and the team went with him, uh, you know, you can't blame a player for wanting to get back on the field. You know, football players play football, and Dan Bailey's a football player, even if he is a kicker. Yeah. Uh, so if he if he pushed himself, you know, players make that mistake. It's it's a call. If the team pushed him back and said, gosh, we really need you back on the field, that is an error on the team. It is something I think happens a lot in the NFL where the team is focused on we've got a game to win, not we are doing this player a disservice with his health. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't know what – that's, again, I don't know what the story is there. I just get the feeling that there was a little bit of uncertainty. To me, that's what the whole thing was. The Cowboys were no longer certain that Dan Bailey was going to be Dan Bailey. Yeah. And they decided, okay, we've got this guy that that, uh, can boom it a little bit further than Bailey can because uh, Bailey had a limit that was right around 55 or 56 yards. And there was a a famous, not a famous, there was a kick where he, was at that range and bounced it off the crossbar. Yes. You know, that literally was his limit. They, they had it almost calibrated. Yeah. So now they've got a guy with a little bit stronger leg, maybe a guy who doesn't start to run down at the end of the year because of the kickoff. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not as incensed about it as a lot of people were. No, and I'm not either. And, and it goes to, um, you know, I got – I mean, I've got pretty much filleted on on blogging the boys. There was over 365 comments on my on my Dan Bailey piece um, that was titled "Dan Bailey wasn't automatic for the Cowboys anymore," which made his release possible. And and what I get to is this: yes, if Dan Bailey was brought back too early, um, and it was on the and the team was you know kind of part of that. I I have a feeling that both of them were both parties were kind of. Um, guilty of that situation, but if you look at the numbers, you know Dan Bailey's best season was ninety three point eight percent in twenty fifteen. Uh, that was his best season. The Cowboys were four and twelve that year, but they did kick a lot of field goals. Um, he dropped to eighty four point four percent in twenty sixteen because people will forget that he he missed a couple towards the end of twenty sixteen too. The reason it wasn't that big of a deal is because you had Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott running roughshod over the league. Um, but he, then he dropped to 75% last year and you know injuries play a part in that as well but you're talking about a guy that missed five field goals last year um and he also missed extra points which is something that Dan Bailey never did and I think when the Cowboys were telling they told everybody um this offseason that we you know we're comfortable with Dan Bailey we're comfortable we're confident in Dan Bailey but that was before the Cowboys had their blue and white uh scrimmage and if you'll remember we talked about this on the podcast during the blue and white scrimmage Dan Bailey missed quite a few kicks, um, and the Cowboys were a little concerned about this, started becoming concerned about that, because keep in mind that most of the time when Dan Bailey would go to kick field goals, 
if I was out in Oxnard or if I was at a game or anything, that's the time where most people go to the bathroom or most people kind of yeah. or, or, or talking to somebody else, um, you know, you know, talking to another uh, writer from the Cowboys or something. That's what we would do out in Oxnard because nobody really charted Bailey's kicks until this season. Um, so when you look at, you know, the Cowboys missing those two big time field goals against Seattle in Christmas Eve, that weighed heavily on that. Um, Dan Bailey missed two field goals and an extra point in New York a couple of weeks prior to that. Um, you talk about Dan Bailey missed a field goal and an extra point in the last game against the Eagles that didn't matter, but it also kind of just it just lets doubt creep in. I'm not saying yeah. that Brett Maher is going to be perfect. I know you're not either. But I just believe that the Cowboys looked at it and said, listen, we're paying this guy $22.5 million dollars. He's supposed to be the best kicker in the league. We're paying him like the highest paid kicker in the NFL. Um, and everyone wants to talk about how he is the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. Yes, but I say that the key key word to that is he was the second yeah. most accurate kicker in NFL history. You don't know what's going to happen to him over the course of the next few years that might drop that because there's a lot of times, and you can go back and look even predating Dan Bailey, that there were a lot of times that kickers have come up and been the second most accurate kicker in the NFL or the, you know, the, the, the top kicker in the NFL. But what I've looked at when I looked at these kickers, I looked at Steven Goskowski, I looked at kickers um, that have maybe had a lull and then uh, tried to come back. Nobody's had it like Dan Bailey in this situation where it's the ending of two seasons where he's starting yeah. to struggle and miss. Yeah. And it, it from a bigger viewpoint, there's only two times really that you can cut a player and move on. One is too early and the other is too late. Exactly. You're better off doing it too early. Uh, I hate to say it. But in the long run, that's probably to the most benefit. Now, we're assuming that Mayer is going to be okay out there as a, a kicker. We don't know. Yeah. And it, the Internet is going to blow up if Dan Bailey hooks on somewhere and is out there, you know, knocking him through an 88% clip. Yeah. And Mayer loses a game because he misses a 46-yard a field goal at the end. And, and you know what's going to happen then, Tom, is the Cowboys are going to have a kickout competition. That's what they're going to do. They're going to bring in kickers, and they're going to have a kicking competition. That's what will well, happen. Well, it depends. Now, if, if it happens like in Week 10, and Mayer has missed one field goal the whole season prior to that, and he happens to miss one that would have won the game, there's going to be an overreaction yeah. because that kind of thing happens to people. So it's, you know, yeah. to me – this is is going to this is the has the potential of being a big uh, social media storm that has no real meaning. No, I, w I would agree with you. I, I think that you know everyone loves Dan Bailey, and I think that Dan Bailey, when, yeah. at his time, I think Dan Bailey was better than anybody had ever been at their at that position. I, I think that yeah. Dan Bailey was that automatic. Um, but again, that key word there, Tom, is was. Yeah. I, I don't know that. I don't think as much as like Nick Eatman and other guys like Bill Jones and them believe that that when Brett Maher, which that's the correct way to say his name, it's Maher. When, Maher. when Brett Maher booted that 57-yard field goal at, at Houston, I don't think that that helped Dan Bailey by any chance, but I don't think that that necessarily gave Brett Maher the job. I think it might have had a piece in there, but I think what really gave what gave him the job is the fact that they looked at it and said, look, Dan Bailey was the number one kicker just a season ago, and, and in 2016, he fell to the 17th, 
you know, kicker. Then he fell to yeah. 30th this past year. We just yeah. don't want to get into the, like, once the Cowboys, I believe that this is just the way they've changed their thinking here, Tom. Once you've shown any type of sign of decline, they're ready to move on. And I know that can be kind of hurtful for teams that are, for play, uh, fans out there that want to see their team, you know, succeed. And they think that, that immediately will be the first guys on Twitter as soon as Dan Bailey hits his first field goal and Brett Maher misses his, which I guarantee you, Brett Maher and Dan Bailey will both make and miss field goals in 2018. You can pretty much lay money on that. So, on if Dan Bailey signs, yes, if Dan Bailey signs somewhere, there the the Cowboys had their reasons for making this move that we just told you. Money, they're only paying Brett Maher four hundred eighty thousand dollars compared to four point you know, a, a cap hit of four something for four million something for Dan Bailey, and they could have saved three point four on the cap by releasing Dan Bailey, and they're going to save more money over the course of that contract. So. Moving on from that, we got to move on from Dan Bailey. We just can't, yeah. you know, spend. We've spent 13 minutes on it. It is what it is and, at this point, and the Cowboys and, are moving on. And you probably don't want to hear me mention this, but you left a topic off on our uh, prep list. Go ahead. What about Rico? What about Rico? Yeah. See, we got to get to other points of the roster here. <laughs> Rico yeah. gathers. Yeah. Uh, it, to me, it was surprising. It wasn't a shock because I think the feeling all along was if they keep four tight ends, they're going to keep Rico Gathers. Yes. Uh, there were some other things that were a little bit more surprising that you think may have been to, to open up the spot for him, like only keeping two running backs. Yeah. The big surprise to me came when the unofficial depth chart came out and Rico Gathers was ahead of Dalton Schultz. Well... I, it didn't surprise me as much as it surprised you because I've listened to guys like Brian Broaddus speak mm -hmm. about this several times. And I'll tell you, Rico Gathers outplayed Dalton Schultz in the preseason games, which weighed a little bit heavier than some mm -hmm. of these practices. Yeah. And, and that's why Dal that's why Rico got put on the, that's why he got put ahead on the depth chart. But my question to you, Tom, Rico might be ahead on the depth chart, but does that mean he gets to play before Dalton? Because I don't know. Yeah, it's, I think it might be a matter of who they feel matches up best and how well the two are progressing in practice. Yeah. Because now we're not going to have eyes on the ground at the practices, so we're not necessarily going to know what's developing. No. Uh, but I think that they're likely to roll Rico out uh, to start things off because I think they want to see what he does. Uh, and see if he can actually perform when the game counts. Um, and so uh, it's interesting because I wrote an article about specialists that the Cowboys now have gathers mm -hmm. as kind of a red zone specialist. Uh, they've got uh, Tavon Austin as a change of pace kind of guy, even yeah. if he's used primarily as a wide receiver. They still can run like jet sweeps with him and you know motion him into the backfield occasionally. And they've also got Deontay Thompson, who looks like he's just going to be that speed guy that you send burning down the field and dare the other team to let him get behind their coverage. Yeah. And that, and you know, you you mentioned that you wrote, um, you guys got to go to blogging the boys and read the stuff that we have up for you guys this week. We're coming up with so many things for you, just <laughs> to get y'all ready for you know for the season. In fact, I got a I got something coming out, um, and probably before the first game, which is going to be called Five Reasons Why the Cowboys Are More Dak Friendly. And I mentioned some of the things that you mentioned there, um, Tom, which is 
they added speed on offense. Um, and one of the ways that they did that is they added Tavon Austin, who has game-changing yep. speed. But Tavon Austin and Cole Beasley also give the Cowboys a good short pass, like a quickness in the short passing game. Mm-hmm. You have to, um, it's it's okay to have good, like speed's fine, right? But if you don't have good route runners with that speed, yeah. then you don't have much going on. Because I'll tell you this, Deontay Thompson is a decent route runner, but his speed is mainly over a distance you know, his is like what the 40 is for. That's what yeah. his speed is for. Maintaining speed over distance. And that's what Deontay Thompson will be. He'll be deep speed, whereas you have Tavon, not saying that Tavon can't be deep speed too, but I'm saying Tavon and Cole Beasley's feet, footwork in the intermediate and the short passing game will be helpful. They'll be helpful for Dak Prescott. Um, but Yeah, that's what it's. They're yeah. kind of they're part of what I think of uh, as a run and scoot offensive yeah. plan. And you talk about, but you talk about here. Um, you know, we're, we're going back to this fifty-three man roster, and you talk about specialists. And I think you're right on the money. But I think a lot of teams have specialists. In fact, I think yeah. when we get into our preview for the Carolina Panthers, we're going to be talking about a couple of specialists um, there. Yeah. And that's and that's the Cowboys have not used it. That's one of the things I think that's changed. They have suddenly decided. Wait a minute. If we've got one guy that's outstanding. And even though we can only use him on 25% of the snaps, but he's outstanding on those 25% of the snaps, why not have him? Yeah. And then just before we go, because um, we're going to have to go to break here in about three minutes, yeah. let's let's get through this um, 53-man roster. What do you make of the Cowboys' moves on the offensive line? Uh, you know, they traded Charvarius Ward um, just ahead of the last preseason game for Parker Anger is how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. Um, he's yeah. a backup guard. He's played some tackle too. He's played a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, Brian brought says that he could give you, some, he's not just a guy that, um, would come in and play guard. He could give you some tackle snaps if you needed. And then they also claimed Adam Redman at fit, at the 53 man roster cuts. And I think that Adam Redman is mainly a center. Um, but what do you make of their moves? And they got rid of, you know, Kadeem Edwards, uh, to make Adam Redman possible. What do you think of their moves on the offensive line? Were you a big fan of them going after guys? I was a big fan of them going after guys. I, I don't know if these are, are the guys they really need. Uh, and then that raises the whole question, were the guys they really need out there to begin with? Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, they moved on from Chaz Green. Yeah. Okay. That, I think, is a positive. Um, I don't know. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know if they if they actually have made all the right moves, and you know, with with the things and other things that have happened, uh, I'm glad they've got Looney. I'm hoping Cameron Fleming is going to hold together. I hope Travis Frederick comes back sooner rather than later. Which they kept him uh, on the 53 man roster. Yes, because they're they're not looking at eight weeks. It looks yeah. like they're hoping they're hoping I'm thinking about a month or so. Yeah, but the, the rest of it, we're just going to have to see. And and the real key here is they they need their starters to stay healthy. Uh, yes. And with Looney counting as kind of a semi starter now. Yeah, fortunate Looney looked pretty good. And I I think all the people that are saying, oh, the line is in a shambles. I don't think it is. I think Looney's going to hold up well, but we're going to find out in a few days. So yeah, you know, I will say this, Parker Anger. Um, you know, Broadus had mentioned in his scouting reports of him that he's not, he doesn't look at the, at Parker Anger and Adam Redman as two guys that can't play, can't play. He looks yeah. at them as definite upgrades over Kadeem Edwards. He feels like Parker and Adam are both stronger 
at the point of attack than Kadeem Edwards. Um, but he also believes that the Cowboys were... He he applauds them for going after guys instead of uh, sitting with what they had. Um, because the offensive line, uh, we told you all preseason long, Tom, myself, Dave, on the last episode, you're not seeing great play from offensive linemen in general um, the, in the yeah. whole preseason. And, you know, the Cowboys are in a better position than most um, with their yes. offensive line. So you talk about um, Joe Looney is, with, with Travis Frederick in the lineup, Joe Looney is the sixth best lineman, Cam Fleming is the seventh. And then you got, they basically were upgrading their eighth and ninth offensive linemen here. And mm-hmm. I, and Broadus believes that they got guys that could actually play should they be called upon. Um, and, and you're then, hoping, you're betting they're never going to be called on because they're yes. in that eighth and ninth spot. And then the last thing we'll do is go with the um, safety. You knew the Cowboys needed safety. They went and got um, Ibrahim Campbell from the Texans. He yeah. played, he's mainly built like a strong safety, but he does have free safety abilities. They did not want to just go and get another box safety. Um, they wanted to get somebody that could cover better, and they feel that, um, you know, from what I've heard from in, insider guys, like, you know, Brian brought us again, um, is that they feel like he can cover a little bit better, um, and he's a little bit more of a consistent tackler than Kayvon Frazier, even though they're going to give Kayvon the nod. Um, they yeah. liked having they like having Campbell there because they feel like they saw some good things in that game against the Texans, and they felt like he was an upgrade over what they currently had. Yeah, I pulled uh, I pulled up uh, the uh, the snap counts from that yeah. game, and Campbell was in on seventy six percent of the Texans' defensive plays or fifty four snaps. Dang. He also was in for twelve, which is almost half of their uh, special teams plays, forty six percent. Yeah, got a good long look at him, which yeah. kind of makes me feel a little. Uh, a little better about them signing him because he certainly wasn't a guy that was on my radar. No, but it's, you know, they, they needed the depth. Yeah. They needed Uh, the depth and they went with a guy that was, that was a little bit younger. Um, and, um, kudos to them because I thought that they were only going to really be able to get Tom, um, a guy like a strong safety, a a box safety, another box safety out there. But they went with a guy that they felt because he did play free safety for the Texans, um, that they got a guy that can come down to the line. But I think that the Cowboys, might need to look at him possibly playing free safety for him because it, I would rather, and I know most people would rather see Jeff Heath closer to the line making those uh, those you know reactions. Um, I just think that he is a more intelligent player. Um, to have him ba- up at the line, I think really helps the run defense. So um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Tom Ryle. We're going to discuss a preview for the Carolina Panthers, but we also got some Earl Thomas stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll be right back on the Brews and the Boys podcast. We are back. You have here Mr. Sizemore. You can find me on Twitter at M-R-S-I-S-E-M-O-R-E. Got my good guy here, Tom Ryle, at Tom Ryle BTB. Uh, both of us here, you're, you're blogging the boys, guys. You're bruising the boys, the brew crew, as we call it on Twitter. Um, 
Tom, we got to talk about Earl Thomas because some some interesting stuff came out about Earl Thomas, and I want to let yeah. you tell the tell our listeners what exactly happened with Earl Thomas, and then we'll get into discussing it. Um, basically, uh, there were a couple things that were going on. First, the rumor broke that the the Cowboys had upped their offer to a second round pick. Yeah, for the trade for Old Thomas, but they were not committing to doing a new deal. Yeah. Is kind of what's being pieced together, and Seattle basically said we want a first, which sounds to me a lot like a poison pill move. Yes, uh, Thomas has now agreed that he is going to report and play for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they have basically waived all of the fines he had accumulated, which is what usually happens with a star player when they hold out. Uh, and finally, do report they kind of forgive all that because they don't oh, really. Oh, we forgot to turn that entry. paperwork in. Yeah. To get those fines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, so he's he's going to play, which is kind of where the signposts have been uh, pointing since the draft. Yes. Uh, that there has the excitement over Old Thomas has risen. Uh, sometimes to a fever pitch, but people that keep saying, go out and get him, Jerry, don't understand how it works. No, You can't go out and get him. Seattle had control. It looks like Seattle really wanted to keep him, have one really good player left in their secondary, and that's where they are. That's what they got. They knew that eventually the money would start talking and Thomas wasn't going to sit out and start forfeiting game checks because that kind of gets to a point of no return. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we had a very spirited conversation about Earl Thomas last night on our uh, message boards um, yes. just between us. And uh, I, I definitely probably seemed like I was a little crabby, but that's just because I haven't gotten sleep, people. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I just said, I, I kind of put it this way, and, and I, I hope you agree with me here. And I said, you know, Earl Thomas, you know, he didn't make it easier when he went down the tunnel and proclaimed that he wanted to play for the Cowboys. Um, you know, that's just not how business works in the NFL. Yep. That's what people need to realize, that Seattle's not going to deal Earl Thomas because he loves the Cowboys and wants to play for the Cowboys. Who cares, you know, what he loves, who he loves? The Seattle Seahawks see it as he's under contract with us. They forced his hand. We've kind of been telling you it could be going this way for a while now. And, and you know, Earl Thomas balked at the idea of losing, you know, upwards of half a million dollars even more for game checks. He didn't want to lose yeah. that money. He's a, he's a Pro Bowl player. He's smart about it. He doesn't want to lose big-time play checks. Plus, because if he's not on the roster when week one starts, you're talking about a guy whose contract is not guaranteed. So, yeah, the Cowboys, the Cowboys really are like I said this last week and, and I say it again on Twitter. The Cowboys are waiting for the ink to dry on divorce papers here. They're, they're mm -hmm. not they're not the ones in control. And as Tom told you there, they don't hold the cards. It's the Seahawks who hold the cards. You can't just go and unless you want to literally go up to the Seahawks and tell them, hey, you know what? We'll give you a first round pick and overpay, which the Cowboys just are not going to do. You got to think about that. You got to think about what giving a first round pick would mean. A first round, if you gave up a first round pick for him, then you're sitting here next year without a first round pick and without a five year contract possibly on your first round pick. You're giving up much more for a 29 year old player than just a draft pick. So yeah. you got to look at it. The Cowboys upped their offer. Everybody wanted them to up their offer. They did. They upped it to a second round pick, and the Seahawks said, We want more. And that was it. That was all yeah. there was to it. 
Yeah, and I don't think the Seahawks really wanted to do this. No, that's why you said they put a poison pill in there. Yeah. They put a poison pill in there because they didn't really want to do deal with this bit. They didn't want to deal Earl Thomas. They just didn't. <clears throat> so, we got to move on. We got to talk about the Cowboys. This, finally, we're here. We're to week one. The Cowboys are taking on the Carolina uh, Panthers here. Um, so, the Panthers are, you know, it's been notable that Matt Khalil has moved himself to IR. They've been moved him to IR, which is probably best for him because he wasn't having such a great preseason and he was dealing with some knee troubles, some other troubles. Um, there are some injuries. So they moved him um, to IR, but that's not the end of their problems on the offensive line um, because it just seems uh, here, Tom, that the the Panthers are dealing with lots and lots of issues as far as offensive line goes because their guard, he's got a neck problem. He did not participate today. Um, then they also have the, the guys that um, their tackles, Daryl Williams and uh, Salala, uh, Silatolu or whatever, Amini Silatolu, he, his, they both are dealing with knees. They've been limited. Um, they believe that both guys will play, but you're sitting here thinking um, if, if people are worried about the Cowboys' offensive line, they should be worried about the Carolina Panthers' offensive line too. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, it's kind of one of these things. Cowboys are still re- returning two all-pro offensive linemen and, uh, you know, uh, a guy that did pretty well last year and a, they've got a second round pick that looks pretty good. This is, and yet you look around at, at place people like the Panthers, and their offensive lines are really kind of in a state of flux, and we don't know what they've got. Yeah. And I think that this could be a big game for the Cowboys' defensive line. Uh, not necessarily that they're going to just get a lot of sacks. Is that I think the pressure is going to be constant on Cam Newton. If he's able to complete passes, it's going to be because he's mobile and can evade the pressure. Because I think the pressure is going to be coming, and it's not just going to be coming from from one end. It's not just going to be coming from two ends. It's also, I think, going to be coming right up the middle at him. Yeah. And that middle pressure is what really disrupts the quarterback when he's suddenly having to, to backpedal from his own center who's being shoved back into his lap and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I think that you're right on the money there. Um, I mean, they are having they are have they've been having issues since the beginning of uh, of preseason. Um, yeah. they, they, there were lots and lots and lots of, you know, video footage there of left tackle Matt Khalil, you know, getting getting you know bullied on that outside there and I will say this Matt Khalil is a former first round pick in 2012 he is a good player they they felt like something had been go- like you know his knee was bothering him a lot and and that was kind of that was kind of the the you know the straw that broke the camel's back there they decided you know it's probably best that he goes and get some some help here um and you know so that they're dealing without their left tackle there and then Ryan Khalil, which is, you know, spelt the same way, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're related. Ryan Khalil is the center. Um, he is, you know, he, he, he's kind of, he was a second round pick in 2007. Um, he's probably the best guy that they have currently that has, you know, has the most skins on the wall. He's started 129 of 132 games, um, you know, and he's, He's probably, yeah, he's the brother of Matt Khalil. He's probably their best option there, and he plays center. You look at the rest of their their offensive line, and you're saying, man, there's, you know, Taylor Moten could be good. I think the Cowboys really liked him coming out. He's going to be playing left tackle. 
but he hasn't had a lot of um, too much experience. Um, Silo Tolu hasn't at guard. Tri Turner has been there for them for a while, and Daryl Williams, they're hoping, will be ready to go. Their offensive line will, at best, it won't be any better than what the Cowboys are putting out there, and and they're going to be dealing with lots of pass rushers. Yeah. So. Um, I, I I agree with you, and yeah. I, that kind of ties into the next question because, uh, you know, we 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 think they're going to be coming at them quick, and probably they're going to be uh, bottling up the run a good bit too. Yeah. So, because we always focus on the passing game, we forget that the offensive line is. I mean, if you can't, if your blockers are just getting stoned at the line, then yeah. the running back is having trouble finding lanes and holes to run through. Yeah. So you said, you know, you see a big game coming for the defensive line. Um, you know, it's gonna. It matters what the tackles can do. The defensive tackles can they yeah. can they do what they're supposed to do in the middle? You know, Tyron Crawford's going to play. Um, Malik Collins is likely going to play a lot. But you got Antoine Woods and stuff that they're going to play because while Tyron Crawford is still, you know, getting his body ready to play defensive tackle, he can't possibly just play down after down after down. He's going to need, you know, he's going to play the three tech there, but he's going to need, they're going to need some help from some, from some bigger guys like Antoine Woods to stop that run because Carolina's going to go with, they're going to go after the Cowboys as far as the run. And so that leads me to my next question for you. What troubles you most about this opponent offensively? Do you think that it's you know Cam Newton's ability in the you know in the pocket with his feet, being able to move around um, to be you know the Cowboys have had trouble with some with some you know running quarterbacks, uh, mobile quarterbacks yeah. in the past. Cam Newton's probably one of the better ones in the league. Um, and then you also have to keep in mind that Christian McCaffrey is their Swiss Army knife. He's a running back, a receiver out of the backfield, and. For yeah. all for all you know purposes, we believe that Christian McCaffrey is going to be a big part of that Carolina offense. Yeah, well, I I'll just say before to set that up a little bit. I think what you're going to see at the defensive tackles is I'm a, I believe they're looking for Malik Collins to be able to go. So yeah. you're going to see. I think their their plan will be Crawford and Collins at the three tech. Uh, with with Collins coming in, like you said, to keep Tyrone from getting worn out, and then you're going to have uh, Woods and Ross are going to be your one techs. So yeah. you've got good rotation, fresh legs uh, that you can bring in, and you know Ross did not have a bad camp at all. So I I really think the pressure up front. I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of ga- gaping holes opened up for them, mm-hmm. and once you get past that. I think you're gonna. We're gonna see what really happens when you've got Sean Lee and Jalen Smith patrolling the uh, the middle of the field with maybe Damian Wilson in on a lot of running plays. Yeah, and I, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be handled. Yeah. That's why I go back to the the issue is going to be Cam Newton, and can he get loose, improvise, buy enough time for the receivers to get open. Uh, you know, because if you run a play long enough, no defensive back can hang on to someone forever. Yeah, you and, know. Sorry uh, to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, and so if Cam Newton is uh, cannot be contained, that's the biggest threat that I think the Cowboys have to worry about. The good news is these people we've been seeing, Randy Gregory, Demarcus, Demarcus. Uh, Taco Charlton, they are able to chase down the quarterback from behind. Yes. 
So yes. that's I, my that's kind of how I feel about that. I think that's the big worry, but I think they can handle the big worry. I really believe that this is going to be a huge game for the linebackers um, because with a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you look at his numbers and you look at him as the as a running back. I'm not so scared of him. You know, he's got 117 attempts in his rookie season for 435 yards, had an average of 3.7 yards. That's not good. That's just not. Um, but you look at him as a receiving back, and he's got 80 receptions, 651 yards, an 8.1 average, and, you know, five touchdowns. I look at that as being the big problem there, and that's why I believe that linebackers and the, you know, a slot corner, you know, uh, Jordan Lewis possibly or Anthony Brown, these corners and the secondary there, the linebackers there, are going to have to be fast, which is what we've seen. And like you allude to there, if the pass rush is getting home, because now you're not just worrying about Demarcus Lawrence. Um, Tyrone Crawford, for as good as he tried last year to be a right defensive end, it's not really who he is. He was, you know, he's pretty much a, a rotational guy that can get, that's, well, he's better than a rotational guy, but he can give you snaps inside, outside, that kind of stuff, and he plays with power. Randy Gregory is a speed rusher. Randy Gregory can collapse pockets. If, if that's yeah. what they're being able to do, that's going to make it hard on Cam. But you have to still keep Christian McCaffrey in mind because he can get loose as a, as a, a receiver, and that's what you want to be careful with because, you, you know, they still also have Torrey Smith and DJ Moore, um, guys that we that I love DJ Moore coming out of the draft. Devin Funches is just a big, tall, you know, type of receiver, go down and get the ball type of thing. But Cam can put the ball in the air. But is it going to be accurate? You see, yeah. There's, there's, there's so many things here. If you go and look at these two teams and how they ended their season, these two teams, the Cowboys and Panthers, Tom, they are so close in in what the in in what they are trying to do here. Yeah. Um. You talk about total yards. The Cowboys, Cowboys gained about eight total yards per game more than than the Carolina Panthers. <clears throat> passing yards, the Cowboys had about four more passing yards per game than the Panthers. Rushing yards, about four more yards. You know, points per game, the Panthers averaged 0.6 more points than the Cowboys per game last year. Third down conversion, they were right neck and neck around 42%. Time of possession, they were right there. You talk about their defense, total ga- total yards allowed in the game, they were right about 317 per game. Passing yards were right, like the, Carolina offered a lot, allowed a lot more. You know, rushing yards... The Cowboys got more, you know, more rushing guards allowed, but that's because they were dealing with Jalen Smith not being up to playing that position, which he is currently looking like he's ready to play, Tom. So I I just feel like these teams are so close to each other and that maybe Dak yeah. is just a little bit more of an accurate passer. That, that's what I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that they really got um, got the system working and got Dak comfortable in what he's doing with his reads and progressions. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, it's going to be different this year. I think he's really going to go out and be looking for who's open, not how do I get the ball to Dez or Jason or Cole? No, exactly. He's, he's going to be, um, Dak is going to be able to look at his offense and let it, and let it flow. It's going to be able to flow a little bit more evenly because he'll have, the ability to not have to have some guy, anybody kind of, you know, demanding that they get involved. So um, the Carolina defense, though, they're, they're pretty well-rounded, too. Um, they're a pretty good, you know, defensive line there. Um, this is going to be a big test for Joe Looney dealing with Don Terry Poe. 
what's your biggest concern defensively for the Cowboys offense? Um, is it the Carolina pass rush or do you feel that the skills of their linebackers like, like, uh, like Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson can present some problems for the Cowboys offense? Um, I, I always worry about the, uh, the pass rush, especially when you've got a situation where your starters out at center. Um, now, Keckley uh, and Thompson are good. Yeah. You know, there's no question. They're they're. You talked about the similarities. You that they're they compare with Sean Lee and Jalen Smith. You know, who's the better pair? That's a yeah. real hard call to decide. Exactly. Very similar levels of crazy talent going on there. Yeah. Uh, Shaq, Shaq and Jalen are both like pass rushing linebackers. Yeah. Uh, so. And that may actually be a way to beat them is if they try to use them as pass rushing linebackers is uh, let Dak just drop the ball in behind them as they're coming in. Yeah. So uh, worried about the pass rush because that's, that scared me. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not as worried about what they do uh, as far as defending the pass or stopping the run. I'm worried about the pass rush, whoever it comes from. Yeah, because, you know, Julius Peppers is there, um, and yeah. everyone talks about, oh, well, Julius Peppers is, you know, he's over the hill. Okay, well, he's still performing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still doing a good enough job what he's doing. And you talk about Mario Addison. Um, he's a good rotational guy that I wanted the Cowboys to go and get in free agency a couple of years ago, but I forgot that, you know, pass rushers get paid. And, uh, and Mario Addison may not be this like, you know, top of the line pass rusher, but the Panthers sure thought enough of him to keep him around. So, um, you know, Pat Julius Peppers had 11 sacks last year. I knew he still, he could still perform at a high level. He knows how to keep his body right. I'm a little worried about that run defense. Um, Tom, just because Don Terry Poe and Kawan short are so, oh, so stout against the run. But at the same time, I'm with you on the, on the fact that, okay, well, if they're going to load the box up, which is what they probably will start doing because nobody's going to respect the Cowboys' uh, wide receivers. I think that's a good opportunity for, you know, Alan Hearns to beat a guy on the slant, Terrence Williams to beat a guy deep. You know, that's that's good one-on-one possibilities for Cole Beasley, for Tavon Austin, for uh, Michael Gallup, all that. I really do believe that this this deep, like, you can line up and try to stop the Cowboys by, you know, putting all the guys, putting as many men in the box as you can, but you still got to deal with everything else. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward. I to think we yeah. It's this is one that it's uh, uh I'm it, it's a good ma- like you said it's a good matchup going both ways. Yeah. Uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see, especially since the defenses have a certain mirror image aspect to them, and you know you can maybe say the offenses do a little. Uh, yeah. They don't have the big stud running back the way the Cowboys do. But what the Cowboys want to do with Dak Prescott is not all that different from what they want to do with Cam uh, Newton. Yeah, so. yeah. you know, David Hellman put it uh, pretty simply. He said, these are two, offensively, these are two teams that show you the exact blueprint of where the NFL is going these days. Like, this is what, these these are what, like, quarterbacks are starting to be a lot more, um, you know, athletic coming from spread you know, offenses and stuff, and they are mobile and everything. This is kind of what they're starting to look like. So, as you said, Tom, they're, they're very similar teams, and this is a very good test to, you know, you're, te- you're sharpening iron with iron. You're looking at a team that's almost exactly the way you are and wants to attack the way you do. 
Yeah. And so. uh, a good way to find out some things a little bit about yourself and how it works. Uh, yeah. And, and another thing that's very similar is the fact that I think you're going to start seeing more of the three linebackers on the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just think that that's kind of where it's going is that team, if, you know, if you go out with uh, three linebackers on first down uh, and think that the other team's going to rush, you're in trouble. You've got to be able to defend the pass from that set, too. And I think exactly. we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see some blitzing from these linebackers, too, on both sides because I believe that they're both going to be trying to rattle the quarterback, and we know that um, those are good ways to try to rattle any quarterback is to try to get some, a linebacker home. Uh, so that's that's something to look out for, too. So that's about all we got for you guys today on the Brews and the Boys podcast. We want to thank you for listening. The Cowboys take on the Carolina Panthers, 325 Central Time in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Bank of America Stadium. Please remember to leave us a review in iTunes. It helps a ton, enables us to bring you the best show possible. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Brews and the Boys and BrewsandtheBoys.com for updates on all things Dallas Cowboys. We want to tell you guys to have a great night, Cowboys Nation. Hang in there. Cowboys football is just around the corner. Uh, First NFL game is on Thursday, and the Cowboys play their first game Sunday, 325, against the Carolina Panthers. We will talk to you soon, Cowboys Nation. We will be back with all the information from the first game, whether the Cowboys lost, whether the Cowboys won, anything you can expect from the Dallas Cowboys. This has been the Brews and the Boys podcast.